Hey, welcome to First Baptist Online. My name is Steve Polk. I'm executive pastor here at First Baptist Rock Hill. So glad you've chosen to join us today for our online broadcast. Our pastor is finishing a sermon series entitled Living in a Hostile World. And uh, today is very important. Uh, every message builds upon its on the one before. And today is critical as we talk about sharing our faith within the world we live, the hostile world that we live in. And so we're going to be in a lot of different places in Scripture today. So grab your uh, your copy of God's Word, get a notepad and a pen and get ready. Uh, but we're going to focus in today on the ability to share the gospel lovingly, kindly, and truthfully with the people we come in contact with, have relationship with, um, as we look at this message today. So as we prepare for a pastor to come, let's pray together. God, we thank you for how much you love us, for the saving knowledge we have in Jesus Christ, for the opportunity to have an eternal life in him. Lord, ultimately, we know that Jesus is the hope of, of the, our generation and the generations to follow. And so as followers of Christ, we want to be able to lovingly share the gospel in a way that is not just received, but embraced by people who don't know you. Help us do that today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week in Michigan, two elderly women got into a shouting match, into an argument, and one of them ended up getting shot. You may have heard about it, but if not, uh, there's a law on the ballot in November in Michigan that would make abortion rights permanent in the state constitution. And so there was this 83-year-old woman who uh, is pro-life, going door-to-door in a rural neighborhood, um, handing out pamphlets, encouraging people to vote no. And uh, she knocked on the door of one house, and there happened to be a 70-some-year-old couple living there who were very staunch supporters of abortion. And uh, so this 70-some-year-old pro-abortion woman standing on the front porch of her house having a debate and argument with this 83-year-old pro-life woman, and it got so intense and so loud, her husband, who was in the barn out back, heard them yelling, grabbed his rifle, came around, and as the arguing continued, the shouting continued, somehow she ended up getting shot, the pro-life woman, the 83-year-old one, getting shot in the shoulder. Able to drive herself to the hospital, she's been released, so not life-threatening. But when I read that story, I thought, wow, can you imagine? Just picture that. Here's these two elderly women, one in her 70s, the other in their 80s, and they're yelling at each other over the issue of abortion, and one ends up getting shot. That's a picture of where we are as a culture. And so this is the third and final message in a series I titled, Living in a Hostile culture, because that story epitomizes the divisions in our country, the hostility in the in our country, and the inability of people with differing views to have a conversation without it getting intense and argumentative and, and confrontational. And it's a sad picture of where we are. But what made it even sadder to me is this, these, these uh, two elderly women who should know better. Now, you and I as followers of Jesus Christ are supposed to, you know, we're, we live in this world. We are to be engaged with in, in, with in relationships with people and what's going on in our culture. We're to speak the gospel, to speak out on issues. But how do we do it? See, I agree 
with the belief system of that 83-year-old pro-life woman who was encouraging people to vote no on that, uh, that, that ballot issue. I agree with her position. But I do not believe the Bible, the Bible supports a follower of Jesus screaming at people, yelling at people. Uh, I don't think that's the way Jesus instructs us to behave and communicate with the culture and with lost people. I don't believe that's the way the Bible instructs us. So today, I want us to talk about how do we engage with our culture? How do we share the gospel? How do we have conversations with people in a hostile culture? And rather than simply looking at one passage, this morning we're going to look at uh, several passages in the Bible and lift out of those some principles that will guide us in how to live, how to engage, and how to speak in this hostile culture. The first passage I want you to open your Bible to is found in the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, turn to chapter 9. And here's the first principle that I want you to jot down and, and, and understand that is important if we're going to engage the culture and people in it as followers of Jesus. Here's the first principle. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dejected or defeated. Don't just throw up your hands in despair and say there is no hope. Notice what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 9, he's traveling with his disciples. And in verse 35, the Bible says, Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Now notice this, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them. Why? Because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. The people in our culture, in our world today are, are in many ways misled and, and, and it's, it's a sad, sad situation. Jesus saw that among the people of his day and the Bible says he felt compassion for them. In verse 37, he speaks. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. The harvest is plentiful. Look at that. The harvest is plentiful. It's abundant, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. I said the first principle is do not be discouraged because negative thinking leads to negative behavior. Negative attitudes produce negative interactions with other people. Jesus was not negative. He was not discouraged. He felt compassion when he saw the people and all the problems and all the issues of his day. He felt love. He felt compassion. His heart hurt for the people. And then in the midst of all of that, he said the harvest is plentiful. It is abundant. There are people willing to place their faith in Christ and surrender their life to Christ if they are presented the gospel in a loving way by people who genuinely care about them and are praying for them. Last week, I spoke at the funeral of a friend, a man with whom I'd had a friendship for more than 20 years. He would help me with projects around my house and I would help him with different things. 
Sometimes when Monisa was out of town, we would sit on the back porch and eat dinner together. And over the years, I invited him to church and he would come occasionally. I would talk with him about Jesus. But for all those years, he was not ready to surrender his life to Jesus Christ. The last several months, he was dealing with cancer and he still wasn't ready to surrender to Jesus. And so recently one evening, I went by his house and I took my Bible. We talked about different things, and then I looked at him and asked him if he wanted to be ready to die and meet God. He said he did. So we took God's word, and we looked at several Bible verses that explain sin and the crucifixion and how to be forgiven and to surrender our lives to the Lordship of Christ. And in his home that evening, he prayed and surrendered his life to Jesus. He just humbled his heart and gave himself over to the Lord and was saved. And after, after we prayed, I asked him, I said, do you know for a fact that your sins are forgiven and you're going to heaven when you die? And he said, yes. And I said, how do you know? And he said, I feel it all over my body. We went on to look at scripture to understand how faith is based on the word of God. But I was so blessed because many times when someone places their faith in Christ, they feel it in their body. They really, really do. Five days later, my friend died in his sleep. There are people who will respond to the gospel if we don't give up. Respond to the gospel if we don't blame them, if we don't beat them up. People who will respond to the gospel if we love them and pray for them and are friends with them and genuinely care about them. Jesus said the problem is not the harvest. The harvest is plentiful, even in the most messed up places. He said the problem is the workers are few. So pray. God will send more workers into the harvest. Don't be discouraged. We need to share the gospel. In fact, share the gospel more than we debate political issues. We need to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray some more. We need to have faith in God and faith in the word of God and faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ that there are people in the harvest, there are people in this messed up culture who will believe and respond in faith to Jesus Christ. We need to focus on the harvest more than we focus on all the problems and we need to feel compassion more than we feel anger. And so, brothers and sisters, as we live in this hostile culture and we as disciples want to know how do we share the gospel and, and how do we engage with people, the first thing is we cannot be discouraged and filled with anger. We must see that there is a harvest and we need to love that harvest and have compassion on that harvest and believe there are people in that harvest for whom Jesus died that will respond to Jesus if they lovingly hear the gospel, if they lovingly are engaged by a disciple of Jesus Christ who's living in authenticity and compassion before them. That's the first principle. The second principle is this. Share with others what God is doing in your life. Share with other people how Jesus is making a difference in your life. Psalm 105 verse 1 in the Old Testament says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, and then listen to this. Make known his deeds among the peoples. 
make known his deeds among the peoples. We need to celebrate what Jesus is doing in our lives. We need to talk about our experiences with Jesus, how he is blessing us, how he is helping us, how he informs our way of living. We need to openly, lovingly, and publicly talk about Christ and the difference he continues to make in our lives. Let people see it in us. Let people hear it from us. And that becomes a natural door through which we can walk and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. As many of you know, I'm a huge Kentucky basketball fan, and Oscar Shibway is our starting center. Last year was the unanimous national player of the year. But he's also a very devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And I recently saw on Twitter a video of him speaking to a group of students on campus one evening. And in that video, he talked about how his dad, when, he, when, when Oscar was growing up, his dad pointed him to a Bible verse that changed his life because he was about achievement and he was always pressuring God through prayer to, to, to do what Oscar wanted, to, 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 to take care of Oscar. And, and his dad showed him a Bible verse that changed his whole approach to living. Is in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And somehow that resonated with Oscar Sheway, and he realized that what he's to be about is seeking God first, not trying to get God to take care of all the stuff he wants to happen, but to seek God and his kingdom. And he was sharing with the crowd that evening that that's the key to living and that Jesus is our greatest treasure. How is Jesus working in your life? What has God done for you? Do the people at work, the people in your neighborhood, the people on your ball team, the people in your high school or college classes, do they know how God is working in your life, how he is blessing and helping and changing you? We engage this hostile culture by just celebrating the things Jesus does for us and giving honor and glory to him for those rich, rich blessings. And then God will take that and open other doors. That's principle number two. Principle number three, when we engage this hostile culture, listen, we are to share with others using a gentle and respectful demeanor. Share with others using a gentle and respectful demeanor. Turn in your Bible, please, to the book of First Peter chapter 3 and listen to what the Lord tells us here. He says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. That's where it all begins. Always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account of the hope is in you. When someone asks you why you're a Christian, why you follow Jesus, why you go to church, why you believe the Bible, why this, why that, answer them. But notice he says at the end of verse 15, answer them, yet with gentleness, And the New American Standard I'm reading from says, with gentleness and reverence. The word is with gentleness and respect. With gentleness and with respect. 
Yes, we are to engage, we are to talk, we are to answer and not compromise who we are, not compromise what we believe, but in answering people, we are brothers and sisters to do it with gentleness and respect. Look at what the Apostle Paul tells us in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2, open in your Bible and look there please at verses 24 and following. God's word says this, the Lord's bondservant, that's me and you, all of us are servants of God. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, A-L-L, everyone, able to teach, to explain like we saw a moment ago, patient when wronged. Now notice this in verse 25, with gentleness, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, those who disagree with us, those who are hostile toward us. He says, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, not with argumentative attitudes, not with boisterous, loud, screaming voices, not with put-downs and negative attacks, but with gentleness. He says, here's why. If perhaps God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that maybe they will repent, maybe they will change, maybe they will come to a place of faith. Maybe they won't, but maybe they will. But if we don't treat them with love, they definitely will not. So he says, correcting them with gentleness. Verse 26 and that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been kept by him to do his will. Listen, this hostile culture, the people who believe things that are so morally bankrupt and so morally wrong are caught in Satan's trap. They don't know it. And God tells us here that the way we help them have the opportunity of being freed from that trap, that snare, and coming to a place of repentance is by sharing with them and correcting them, but doing it with gentleness and respect. Not hostility ourselves, not anger ourselves, not shouting and screaming ourselves. The scripture is so clear. On this issue, there are going to be people who will exhibit hostility toward the gospel and Jesus being the only way to heaven, hostility toward the word of God, hostility toward biblical ethics, especially as it relates to sexual issues today. There are going to be people who are going to be hostile toward all of those things, and they will attack you and demean you and belittle you and criticize you if you don't agree with them. You cannot change that. You cannot control that. But you can control whether or not in having conversations with them, you act like them or you act like Jesus. And scripture says we're supposed to sharing the truth, but with gentleness and respect because our hearts overflow with compassion. We know they are trapped. It's like if you've ever seen an animal caught in a trap in the woods, they are caught in Satan's trap, Satan's snare. And only Jesus can deliver them. Jesus said they will know we are his by our love. 
one another. The scripture in multiple places as we interact, do so with wisdom and gentleness and reverence and compassion. We stand on the word of God. We stand on the gospel. We stand committed to the lordship of Christ. And as we engage, whether it's sharing the, the gospel or dealing with different social issues and political issues, those, you know, those two things, social, political issues and the gospel, they're connected, but they're also separate. But it really doesn't matter because whether we're talking about the gospel of Christ or we're dealing with a political issue or a social issue, we are to, com- to communicate the truth of God's word, but we are to do it the way God says do it, not the way the culture says do it. And you can't control if they receive or reject the message, but you can control whether or not they reject it because you are treating them with anything but compassion, with anything but gentleness, with anything but respect. That is all within our control how we talk to people God's word time and time and time again says matter our word choice our voice inflection our tone of speaking our demeanor our facial expressions our body language all of that either communicates love and respect or something totally different and God says it matters Now, there are clues that I, that, that, that may help some of us know we're, we're doing it with less compassion and less gentleness and less respect than we should. Here are some clues that maybe we're doing it the wrong way. One clue is we like to argue. We argue with people and we get loud when we have these conversations. Another clue is we, we have more passion about social issues and more passion about political issues than we do evangelism. Another clue is that we discuss politics and social issues more than we share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Another clue may be that we tend to get mad and angry about all that's going on in our country, but we hardly ever shed a tear over somebody who's lost and not connected to Jesus. Another clue might be that we spend a lot of time reading other people's opinions. We have those two or three people we like to read their stuff, whether it's online or books or whatever, and we read other people's opinions more than we read God's word. Another clue might be that we watch the news and listen to the news more than we read the Bible. Another clue that maybe we need to make a course correction in how we engage with the culture is that we spend more time complaining than we spend praying about these matters. That's principle number three is share with people, but do it with gentleness and respect. Now, here's principle number four. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. The apostle Paul in Romans chapter one, verse 16 said, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. I cannot save anyone. You cannot save anyone. I cannot persuade anyone. You cannot persuade anyone, but God can. 
The gospel can, and we are the vehicle. We are the, the megaphone. We are the one he uses. And he says, if I'm going to use you effectively, you've got to have compassion and love for people. You have to be the real deal and have integrity in your own life, not be a hypocrite. And you have to learn how to talk to people, engage with people with compassion and love and respect and gentleness while communicating the truth. But don't be ashamed of the gospel. If, if some people's struggle is they're, they're, they shout too much and they argue too much and, 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 and they don't show compassion and they don't have gentleness, other people's problems are they're ashamed of the gospel. And they never speak up. They never witness. They, they, they cower in the, the, the corner. Certain pastor was going through security at the airport when the TSA agent pulled him out of line to uh, go through his carry-on bag. Told him to stand back, not interfere. And as the agent was going through the man's carry-on bag, this pastor noticed on his, on his right hand a silver ring that had a cross on it, and he commented on the ring. The agent looked up briefly and then went back to his work going through the bag and said, yes, the ring, it means I'm a follower of, of Jesus Christ. And the agent went on as he was working through the bag, looking at everything to say, you know, in my job, one of the things that we worry about is dynamite. But do you know where the word dynamite comes from? The agent said it's, it's from the Greek word dunamis, which means power. And as a Christian, I know that all power belongs to God. That's why he sent Jesus. So while, I, while I'm doing my job, I know God is doing his job. And that's where I put all my trust. It all belongs to him, and, and he's here with us. And they finished going through the bag and said, well, Mr. Jones, have a good flight. Went on to work with the next person. And the pastor commented on how here is this TSA agent in a very brief 30-second conversation in front of everybody in that security line sharing the gospel in a natural way because he's wearing that ring. And the pastor asked him about it, and it gave him an opportunity to say something about Jesus. <laughs> wow. Not ashamed of the gospel. We spend so much time waiting for the perfect time that no time ever comes. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. Share the gospel, but do it with gentleness. Do it with respect. Do it from a place of compassion. If you're sharing the gospel, if you're, if you're speaking about the biblical perspective on issues, but you're doing it from a place of anger, a place of frustration, a place of fear, you're not going to do it effectively. It must be done with a broken heart, with compassion, with gentleness and respect, but also with clarity and with truth. And that leads me to the last principle, number five, and it's pray and then pray some more and pray some more. In the book of Colossians, if you have your Bible in chapter four, we read this in verses three and following. He says, praying at all times for us. Paul is asking the people in the church there in Colossae to pray for him and his team. He says, pray for us as well that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak, speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. Verse four, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak 
Verse 5, conduct yourselves, he says, with wisdom toward outsiders, those who are not in the church, those who are not in the family of faith, those who are not saved. With wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. He says, let your speech always, not sometimes, always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. We encourage people here at First Baptist to pray every day. God will give you an opportunity each and every day to have a gospel conversation. Pray for an open door, for an opportunity. We encourage everyone here at First Baptist to pray every day for God to give you the courage, the boldness to speak when the opportunity comes. Paul says, pray for us to have an open door and pray that we may speak as we ought and make it clear. And then he says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward those who are outside the family of faith, our demeanor, our attitudes, our choice of words, the way we talk to and about people. He says, let your speech always, 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 when dealing with outsiders, when dealing with those who don't follow Christ, be with grace as though seasoned with salt, makes it taste better. Doesn't mean they will believe, doesn't mean they won't necessarily react with hostility. But you give them an opportunity because you are showing them, not just with your words, but with the word selection and the demeanor and the tone of voice and the wisdom with which you speak and the gentleness and the compassion and the kindness and the respect you are showing them God's love, even in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their confusion. So here's my challenge to you today. Which area do you need to work on? Some of us have been too ashamed of the gospel, too ashamed to speak up. And we need to confess that before God, asking him to fill us with the Holy Spirit and give us the courage to speak. To share the gospel. Others of us, we're bold. We're loud. Perhaps louder than we know. We're combative. Perhaps more combative than we know. We're not gentle. And we don't show compassion to those who are struggling. And maybe that's the area in which we need to grow. So my challenge to you is, which one do you need to get better at? Speaking up? Or speaking with compassion and kindness, which is it? Each and every one of us needs to do well at speaking up and speaking up the right way. That's how we engage and share with a hostile culture.